0: Morning, my name is Phil. I am so glad to be here. How about you? Yeah. Hey. Uh, if this is your first time with us, if you are a guest with us, I want to welcome you to one of our gatherings where those of us who call ourselves clarity work really hard so all of us could find some clarity in who Christ is. And uh, today is a great day for a couple of reasons. One, we're giving free lunch. If you like Uncle Frankie's, if you like Chicago dogs, if you like Italian beef sandwiches, and stuff, we got all that stuff. So it's a free lunch after, so make sure you stay after. On your way out, you'll get a little ticket to redeem your, uh, uh, for, for free food today. So we just have all that. That's, everyone's invited. You don't need to be a member to be a part of it. You can just be off the streets and, you know, maybe you're here. That's all you're here for because of the meal. And we're, we're so glad you're here. Um, hey, I do want to let you know, if you are here today and uh, in a room like this, I it's, there are going to be many people who come from different types of faith journeys, so to say. And, and I get it. There are some of you here today that might not be sure if you're a Christian or might not sure you believe everything you've heard about Jesus and the Bible. And what you need to know is that there is a sense that all that we do here at Plymouth Creek Elementary is for you. And if, if there's anything that you get from us at all is that we want to welcome you here. And we're so glad that you chose to be with us today. And so uh, today is for you now. If you're a follower of Christ, if you're someone who says, you know what, yeah, I love Jesus with all my heart, mind, and soul. Listen, you know, you know that central to our belief in the gospel is the person of Jesus Christ. And so we've made it our goal simply to be a people who not only understand clearly who Christ is, but that the actions of our lives demonstrate clearly who Christ is. And so there's no other reason to be part of a local church other than to find clarity on who Christ is. And so when we say clarity, what we're actually talking about is more than just knowledge about who Jesus is. What we're talking about is increasingly learning to submit all of life to Jesus. And so I hope you get a sense if you're a guest, whether you're a follower of Christ or someone who hasn't even figured out whether you believe everything about Jesus in the Bible, we want to let you know that you are welcome. Now, Last week, we launched into a series entitled Rescripting the Happy, rescripting Happily Ever After, and it's something that I've been thinking about for a long time, and, and I've been praying about, and here's the thing, I hope that it is incredibly meaningful to you, no matter whether you're single, you're married, was married, plan to be married, don't ever plan to be married, I think that as we look at this subject of happily ever after, after we can get a perspective, a new perspective on what the narrative of happily ever after is because, guess what, if you're not going to be married, you know someone who's going to be married, you know someone who was married, you know someone, was, married, you know someone was a product of someone being married, all right? So it, you, we, this is incredibly helpful for all of us. Now, before we begin, I do want to just be clear about a few things because I think it's just really important. First of all, you need to understand that this is, uh, uh, this is about painting a picture um, of sharing God's design regarding Happily Ever After, and it's definitely not um, a session where you kind of come in and I'm giving a TED Talk on all my wisdom about relationships. This is not what that's about. And so you just need to understand that as we go through this series, this is going to be all about gaining wisdom from God's design and hopefully entering a conversation with you about rescripting Happily Ever After. The second thing is this. This is a series for you. Whether you're single, dating, married, or single again, listen, as we talk about some of these things, I know for some of you it may bring up painful memories. And that's not the idea. We don't want to bring up painful memories. In fact, it's possible that you might gain some insight as you reflect on where you've been. And that might help you to where you're going. And hopefully the information we share today will help you with that. The last thing is this. If you're, if you're, if you're not a follower of Christ, this is very important for you to understand. I don't expect you to do anything. You're going to hear me say some things like you need to and you should. You just need to know I'm particularly talking to those who are Christians. But if you're not a follower of Christ, you don't need to do anything. In fact, what I ask you to do is to, you know, listen and be open to the idea that maybe there's another perspective on the narrative of happily ever after. And listen, you are free to do what you want regarding this information. But, but, and it's a big but, if you're a Christian, if you're someone who says, I have submitted my life to Jesus. For those of us who follow Christ, we don't have a choice, by the way. And so what I'm going to ask us to do is to commit, is going to commit to take what we've learned here today, apply it to ourselves, and this is really important, and not use it as ammunition for a drive-by guilting for someone else. You know what I mean? Oh, this is really good information, Pastor. I have a friend that really needs to hear this. No, 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 no. This is for you. Say, this is for me. Go. This is for me. All right, good. This for me. Now, a series like this I know has the potential to cause those of you who are single to disconnect. I've already heard the replies, oh, it's another marriage series. Listen, it's not. It's not. And, uh, but so just, just, you know, to kind of maybe throw you a bone just in case if I, if I don't come through. I thought it would be kind of fun maybe to, maybe to give you some pickup lines that have really helped me. Along the way, that I think could really help you. Are you game for that? You you game for that? Can I do that real quick? We're not we're not in the preaching part yet. So here's 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 a really good one. This is I found this one to really work. Uh, so it goes like this. One goes like this. Uh, excuse me, do you have a sunburn? And then you know they were like, no. no, no. Well, are you are you always this hot? <laughs> yeah. See how it goes. Okay. So now you, now you're getting how it goes. All right. So groan with it as we go through. I have another one. Here you go. Here's another one. Hey. Are you an overdue library book? You have fine written all over you. (laughs) Yeah? Uh, That's even worse. All right, how about this one? This one. All right. Hey, did you have lucky charms for breakfast? Did you have have lucky charms? Is this one in there? No? Oh, I didn't put this one in there. Well, did you have lucky charms for breakfast? This is one of my favorite ones. Well, you look magically delicious. (laughs) All right. Any middle schoolers out there, high schoolers? In mind, maybe. This one's for you. Hey, my love for you is like diarrhea. I just can't hold it in. Okay, all right, anyways. Now listen, okay, okay, we can let that out. Listen, we all pursue, back up here, here we go. <laughs> See, I just lost all of you. Listen, we all pursue a happily ever after with these ideas and desires of what love and romance are supposed to look like. And pretty soon, what was once ideal becomes an ordeal. And then we start wishing for a new deal, right? And this is kind of what happens. And the reason for this series is a desire to cast a vision for something that I believe our culture does a really poor job of. Now last week we learned that the scripture teaches that there is a reality that sometimes the fairytale version of happily ever after that we buy into doesn't tell us and it's this it's this in 1 Corinthians 7:28 remember we if you're here last week we read this and it says this Paul's going however those of you he's saying hey you know I, I, my advice is you know don't get married Give, live yourself for god you can you can be unencumbered by by all this kind of stuff but however those of you who get married at this time will have troubles And I'm trying to spare you those problems. (laughs) Now, now, obviously, this is not the verse that you hear at weddings, okay? Uh, But this is a reality. And this, you know, the scripture tells us that this is a reality. A lot of times in our marriage, we have problems. In our happy ever after, we have problems. In the pursuit of happily ever after, we have problems. And if anyone, if no one ever told you this, you just need to know this. You need to know this. That when you get married, you take on problems that are specific to the reality of being married. Now, if you're not married, you don't get this. But if you are, you know what I'm talking about. In fact, millions of people across the world get this who are married. In fact, they tweet about this kind of stuff. And I just, I just did a little quick little internet search, and I just thought it would be kind of fun to look at a couple of these marriage people problems, what I call married people problems. And so here's the first one. Here's the first one. It's, uh, it comes from uh, Daniel R. Carillo, Carillo, or however you say that. Marriage is just texting each other. Do we need anything from the grocery store? A bunch of times until somebody dies. <laughs> all right, great. Where well, you gonna go, Mr. Positive? Ah, oh, here's the next one. Next one is from Megan D. Gonzalez. Nearly falling into the toilet at 3 a.m. because he left the seat up <laughs> again. Has that not happened to you? Okay, all right. Anyways, worse. Is when you leave the seat up, guys, and then you fall into the toilet because you left it up. Anyways, never done that at all. Uh, Here's another one. Uh, Hashtag Friday nights. Me. Are we going out? Her. I don't know. What do you want to do until we fall asleep on the couch? (laughs) Here's another one. Clothes on the floor right beside the empty hamper. Sad face emoji. How about this? One more. I got a couple more. Here we go. Husband, are you wearing my socks again? (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) And here's my favorite one. Marriage is just a series of prolonged pauses before one asks the other, Did you fart? (laughs) See, marriage. You laughed way too hard. That's a reality for you. All right. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. These are married people problems. But these are not the kind of problems that wreck happily ever after. Married people problems rarely cause unhappily after after. Married people problems rarely are the cause for divorce, for breakups. And people rarely get divorced because someone left a seat up. Because a, a left up toilet seat is just a married people problem. And so the question is, what causes the kind of conflict that wrecks a happily ever after? Well, I think it's things like selfishness, pride, deceit. I like to call these, I don't know, people-people problems. (laughs) They're just people-people problems. The question is, where do our people-people problems come from? And why does our pursuit of happily ever after often end and disappointment. And one of the best illustrations that I can think of um, comes from a, a, a writing a letter that a guy named James, who happened to be the brother of Jesus, wrote to a bunch of people who were basically not getting along. And I just think this is really great. And by the way, if you're not a follower of Christ, and, and you're, you're trying to, you know, wrestle through the validity of who Jesus is, and, and just to let you know, we don't, we don't believe the Bible because the Bible says so. We believe the Bible because it is an account of Jesus, and Jesus often quoted the scriptures, and so because Jesus is who we believe, and we believe that the Bible is true. And so, but here's the, here's the funny thing. James was the younger brother of Jesus, right? Yet James proclaimed that Jesus Christ was Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but what would it take? What would it take for you to call your older brother Lord, Master, and, you know, not have it accompany physical harm, <laughs> right? What would it take for you to willingly, and that's just something you have to wrestle with, I think, when you wrestle, when you, when you, when you wrestle with this idea of who Christ is. But anyways, um, needless to say, I think James was probably a guy who was really, really maybe an expert on how to be a person who handles conflict because he, he watched this with his brother growing up. And, and I think he learned a thing or two. And so what he has to say I just think is incredibly helpful regarding this idea of these problems in our lives. And here's what he has to say in James chapter 4. And we're going to spend most of our time in, in, these, in these few couple verses just in a little bit. So in James 4, it says this. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Let me pause real quick. This question really is so general. It's really absolutely general, as if, as if there can be really many answers to this question, as really there are many people in this room. But James, James, he says, no. He says that the problem, the problem is a lack of understanding the solution of our problems. It, well is not a lack of understanding of the solution of our problems, but a lack of understanding the source. The problem isn't understanding what's the solution. The the problem is understanding what's the source of our problems. That's why he goes on to say, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? And of course, when you think about that idea, I want to say no. I want to say, it's because of you. It's because of you. You did this to me, and you should have given this to me, and you let me down. And James is saying, no, 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 no. (laughs) The problem is inside of you it's inside of me and that i have a desire in every problem every conflict that's spilling out onto the other people around me and this is this is the takeaway if you if you don't take anything away this conflict always begins with me conflict always begins with me now if i haven't totally Convince you yet? Let's just continue to read on. James goes on and says next, You desire, but you don't have. You see, every time there's conflict, think about it. You want something. Maybe you would say, It's not something I want, Phil. It's something I deserve. It's something I was promised. They said, Till death do us part. They promised. They said, And and I get that. And we're going to talk about that in, in just a second. But listen, Every time there is a conflict, there is something that you want that you don't have. So James says, you desire but do not have, and so you kill. You kill. Now... You have to remember that Jesus is talking to a bunch of people in a church, not axe murderers in prison, okay? So he's not going, yeah, so you you desire and you don't have and so you killed and that's why you're in jail. (laughs) No, he's actually writing to a bunch of people who say they follow Jesus. and, And so what is he talking about here? Well, this is what we call in the English language hyperbole, right? There are things that you want so badly that you are willing to hurt the people you care about the most to get what you want. And so you covet, but you cannot get what you want, and so you quarrel quarrel, and you fight. And so here we are, right back where we started. Why do we have conflict? Because we're not getting what we want, and we don't have what we want, so what do we do? We kill, and then guess what happens? We have conflict again. And conflict in our lives points to the reality that, listen, and this may be offensive to you, but conflict points to the reality that our sin wants to deceive us in believing that we're sovereign. And when we believe that we're sovereign, we believe that we, what we want is what we deserve, and we have the power to bring it to ourselves. And as people who follow Christ, we believe that the Scriptures enables us to be prepared to think, to decide, to act, to desire, and to speak well in a world where we aren't sovereign. And so when we read the scriptures, we understand that conflict is a result of my selfishness. And over the years, I've sat with many couples having relational problems, and rarely is there a disagreement. Listen, rarely is there a disagreement about a right and wrong issue. Rarely. The problem is often a selfishness of the heart that causes us to care more about what we want than what about what is right. And that is a problem. And that's what James means when he says this, you do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because pff, you ask with the wrong motives anyways, brother, that you may spend what you get on your pleasure. And here's the point. Conflict is evidence of who's the source of our lives. And up to this point, the truth about conflict has been pretty much everything that even if you weren't a follower of Christ, that you could agree to. Yeah, I could see how in every conflict there's something that I want and there's a desire and, you know, maybe, or maybe, yes, there's something that someone promised me, but at the end of the day, I still feel like in every conflict there's this ounce of You have something I want, and until you give it to me, I'm not going to be happy, and this conflict is not going to be resolved. The problems in our lives are not going to be resolved. Until you give it to me, happily ever after is not mine, and dig on it. I've been dreaming about this since I was a kid, and you better give it to me because I want my happily ever after. But from here on out, what I'm going to say specifically pertains to those of us who follow Christ. I just want to speak to the Those of us who have said yes to Jesus. Listen, as people who follow Christ, we believe that God is the source of our life, our happiness, and our fulfillment, don't we? And we believe that it is from God that we find our purpose, and we find our satisfaction, and we believe that God created us. And because he created us, he alone has the right to define us. This is what we believe, right? And so here's the truth. When God is not the source of our lives, we look to other things as the source, don't we? And for many people, the temptation is to look to their spouse or to believe that their spouse is a source of happiness and fulfillment, a.k.a. they're the ones who are going to give me my happily ever after. Because when my significant other is the source of my life, I blame his or her as a source of my problems. And this then leads to being what sometimes you would call relationally stuck. Anyone ever been there? Relationally stuck. And this is where the conflict and the problems of your marriage relationships, your engaged relationships, your dating relationships, and really, if you think about it, all your relationships this is where it doesn't seem to have any resolve. See, this is not just a married people problem. This is a people-people problem. Now, I love, my, I love my mom with all my heart, mind, and soul. And I love my dad with all my heart, mind, and soul. And I am always excited to see how God is continually, um, they follow Christ And I'm always excited to see how God continually redeems their story despite the bad decisions that they make in their life. But part of their story, which also spills into my life, is this story. That my mom, at some point in her life, saw my dad as the source of her life. Therefore, he became the source of her problems. And when he could no longer give her what she wanted, when he fell short of her standards, she decided that she was done and that she deserved better and that she decided that it was up to her to pursue the happiness that only she could bring to her. And that happiness would be found in another source. Now, What is pursued to happen is really a decade of ups and downs for both my parents. They eventually got divorced. My dad eventually remarried. My mom left my dad for another guy, got married to that guy, and then eventually got divorced to him. And now she is single again. And I remember the last time she was with me. She tells me this. She said, Phil, I was so dumb. Back then, I didn't know any better. And now, and she says this, I've made it my mission in my life to talk to young women who are unhappy and wanting to get divorced. And I tell them this, don't do it. Don't do it. You will, I don't care how many problems you don't do it. Because what you will experience, because you're pursuing, what she was basically saying is, you're pursuing a happily ever after that is not based in reality. That it hasn't actually, will give you, it will not actually ever give you happy happily ever after. And you pursue this, you pursue this, eventually someone is gonna fall for, fall short of your standards, and then you're gonna repeat the standard again. You're gonna repeat this thing again. Someone's gonna fall short of your standards, and then you're gonna feel like it's in your power to actually to 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 find what it is that'll solve your problems, and you'll look to another source. Now, this is my story, maybe it's yours. My mom left my dad not because, only because she had problems with him, but she left him because she saw him as the source of her happiness. And like I said, when he fell short of her standards, she decided that she was done and could find better. Now, she listens to my podcast, and so don't feel like, you know, Mom, I love you <laughs> listening. But she's allowed me to tell her story because she wants it to help. And, and here's what she knows, and here's what I know. And I sincerely believe that if she had placed her source of life in confidence in God, who despite her falling short of God's standards continually did not give up on her, but instead gave up for her, she would have been able to be free from her misplaced desires which eventually left her making decisions that led to regret. Now, before you feel like I'm getting too judgmental here, haven't we all fallen short of God's standards? Haven't we all disappointed and not given God what he deserves? And I don't know about you, but I daily come across temptations that lead me to believe that I have my best interests in mind as I pursue the life that I want in the middle of a world that doesn't function as God intended it to. And that's why the scripture says this. In Romans 3.23, it says this, For all have sinned, and we fall short of God's glorious standards. But there's hope, right? Some of you might have seen this. And at like wrestling matches and you don't even know what it's... You, you, you might actually go, I thought it was Austin 3.16. No, it's John 3.16. Some of you might not even know this verse. But some of you might be familiar. This is why John 3.16 says this. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And so, what's the problem The problem, the foundational problem of why we don't see happily ever after is because of our sin. Because we live in a world that's affected by sin. it doesn't take but five minutes watching the news to know that we live in a world that is broken. Broken by sin. And so what are we to do? I think... We are to believe this. I love what Tim Keller says, and I have this quote here. It says this, the gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. So here's what I want to do. I wanted to make the message short and sweet. I want to get right to the point. Can you believe it? I'm done. I'm done here. (laughs) Um, God is real. (laughs) I'm going to make it longer, so don't laugh too much. Um, No, I'm teasing. So here's what I want to do today. It's really simple. Because this issue of not having Christ as a source of our life is not just, please hear me straight, this is not just an unbeliever issue. This is a people, people issue. Daily, my mom and dad were followers of Jesus, yet they were able to be deceived. And this is what all of us, we all deal with this. And this, for those of us who follow Christ, the reason why we say there's hope is because we can turn. We know the solution. And we can Believe with our heart and mind and soul that Jesus Christ is a solution for us. And so what I want to do today is invite all of us to believe and confess that we are more sinful and more flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. And you're not going to find that in some self-help book. And this is, (laughs) I know that's hard to think about, but listen, what is sin? Sin is simply living for my fame and for my glory instead of God's. And sin is living life my way for me instead of living life God's way for him. And we all have sinned. And we really, really need the gospel. And we desperately need Jesus to rescue us from the penalty of sin and the effects of sin, which Jesus taught is ultimate and eternal separation from God. But I also want us, I also want us to believe, I want to invite us all to believe that at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dare hoped. And how does this happen? It happens like this. When we repent, when we change our mind about who God really is in our lives, when we change our mind about that, and by faith we believe that Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection has secured our rescue and restored us to a right relationship with God the Father, only then can we pursue the life that God has for each and every one of us. And only then can we truly love, not out of a desire to get what we want, but out of a desire to live the life God has always hoped for us to live. And so that is what I want to invite us to do as we, in the next couple weeks, I'm going to give a little bit more practical application. We're going to talk about some real tips that might help you live a happily ever after. But I cannot not talk about a foundational issue because I can give a bunch of good advice. But if you ignore this idea that husbands and wives, you are a sinner married to a sinner, that single people pursuing relationships and or not, you are a sinner living in a sinful world which gives itself to its own end. And sin in its own end brings destruction, brings problems. And until we reconcile with that issue, uh, the rest is just good advice that will rely on your own power your own patience, your own strength to be a good person. And quite honestly, I know a lot of really good people, and even they have a hard time being good all the time. And so if we don't have our best interests in mind, you know this, you don't have your best interests in mind. If you're offended by that, just ask yourself, have you ever done something stupid that you knew you weren't supposed to do? Yeah. I see the Snapchats all the time. I see these teenagers eating these peppers. They're like, I'm about to eat this super hot albanero pepper. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I saw one kid throw up. It was absolutely hilarious. And so I laughed, laughed, and I'm like, you idiot. You don't have your best interest in mind. We don't, do we? So who does? I want to suggest, and this might be offensive to you, but that you don't have your best interest in mind, but Jesus does. And if you would place your faith and trust in him and turn and learn to increasingly submit your life to him, I think you can then begin to find your happily ever after, whatever that may look like. So here's what I'm gonna do. I wanna pray. I'm just going to pray kind of in that direction I'm going to pray in a way that maybe you could pray after me and, or you can pray in your own way how you would want to say, hey God, I, I'm just serious right now. I, uh, maybe I've never done this before and I, something clicked today. And I still have questions and I still have doubts, but I don't want to live with the effects of sin in my life. So I'm going to take that first step and say, I believe in you. Help my unbelief. I want to place my trust in you. Maybe you're a follower of Christ and you know that your knowledge of who Jesus is has definitely overpowered your ability to confess in your everyday life that Jesus Christ is Lord. And today you just need to say, okay, God, I'm tired of believing a lie that I am in control, but you are. And so I'm going to confess with my mouth, God, you are in control. And that's what I want to do today. And I want to invite you to do that with me. And if you do that, especially if it's the first time, in our connect cards, you can check a little box and give us your information. I would love to, you know, give you a high five over the phone this week and say, that is awesome. Any questions about what it means to follow Christ, you can do that. Or you can go talk to one of our prayer team members who will be up here at the end of our gathering. They're here for you. And you can say, hey, I... I need help. I, I like to start this journey and love to get connected with you. But even if you never connect with anyone, I just still want to invite you as we continue in this series to make that first step and confess with your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord because until we get this right, we will never be able to rescript happily ever after. And this is my hope for you, that you would truly believe that we are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope.